Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. As always, the Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, we don't put any limits on what game they want to choose. It could be a game when they were an assistant coach, a head coach, a freshman coach. It could be a win, a loss, a big championship game just whatever they consider to be their greatest game. Chris, I'm really excited for our guest today who just finished his ninth season as the head coach at Riverdale High School in Oradell, New Jersey, Ron Van Sater's coach. Welcome on in. How are you? Hey, Brian. How are you, Chris? How are you? Thanks for having me again, guys. I appreciate it. Doing, doing fantastic. Glad you're here, coach. I love your energy. Love your enthusiasm. I can't wait to get to know a little bit more about your journey and a little bit more about your coaching style and hear about your greatest game coming up later in the show. But tell me, again, I'm a South Carolina guy, so I'm trying to learn New Jersey basketball. I have no clue really what's going on. I'm learning slowly, but is Riverdale a group one, group two? How big we is Riverdale? Are, Brian, we're group three. We're okay. on the border. We're one of the smaller threes. But when I first started, we were two for a year. And in the last eight years, we've been three, so we've been pretty steady at that mark. Okay. And you and draw from and you draw from two towns, right? So is it yeah, technically we drew, considered a regional high school? Correct, Chris. We redraw from River Edge and Oradell. I went to school at Riverdale, was an athlete at Riverdale, and came back to teach at Riverdale uh, 15 years ago. Okay. That means you're getting old, Coach. That's what that yeah, means. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, – I'm getting old, man, as you can see. Now I'm, I got the buzzers in my basement, man. I don't even need the barber. <laughs> Again, Brian, I know you always love this when we talk New Jersey connections. The de Blasios and the Van Saders family go back a long ways. Uh, Ron's dad was my athletic director at Teaneck. But even more than that, Ron's dad was my cousin's high school baseball coach in the late 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're, the, the connections yeah. run deep there. Yes. Yep. Yeah, his dad's a real good guy. I was with my dad for years at TNEC. Yeah. Real good guy. Ron and Ron. They were like, yeah. They were like a comedy right. duo. Yeah. yeah, they had some good times over there, man. I'll tell you what, I, I do sure love me some Ron de Blasio, Claire de Blasio. They're just the, the salt of the earth, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, coach, why don't you take us through your coaching journey and, and what has led you coaching-wise to be where you're at now at Riverdale? Sure. Um. I started off when I left, uh, I graduated University of Delaware, and when I left, um, I started at Leonia Middle School. Chris, I'm sure you're familiar with Leonia. Obviously, two towns, a couple towns go, Edgewater and Leonia, go to Leonia. And I was the middle school coach there for two and a half years um, before my job got riffed, being the youngest person, you know, on the totem pole there. So I left there. And I, I was also the head baseball coach there for a year when I was 24, the varsity level. But left there, took a job at Woodridge. Um, there I was a baseball coach there, but wasn't coaching hoops. And then Brian Long, a longtime basketball legend here in Bergen County, a uh, guy I played for, had a JV position open. So I was able to jump on that position in what let me see the winter of 05 06 
and then was a JV coach until I started, I think it was 10, 11, or it might've been nine, 10. Yeah. It might've been nine, 10. That was my first year as the varsity coach of Riverdale. So I had some of the JV kids move up with me, which was, you know, nice. Yeah. And talk about, uh, we've, we've run into this theme a lot already on this podcast. Talk about coaching at your alma mater and, you know, in the school that you went to school and, and, you know, I would think it has to be a tremendous amount of pride when you do that. Yeah, Chris, you're absolutely right. It's a good, it's, it's, it's a lot of pride for me. Dennis Nelson, I feel, is one of the best. And I know, Brian, you deal with it all the time with the, the AD aspect and coming from my father. And Dennis Nelson, who's now my AD, who I think is the best in the state. Um, I take that pride that they would in their school and they give me, you know, in giving out that pride to the kids. You know, being an alum of the school and having my friends come back to the town and being a part of the community and then sending their kids through and then wanting me to be a part of their lives is, uh, you know, is, is something I take great pride in. So that is nice. Do you live in the, in the community in either one of the towns or not? Not anymore. Okay. Um, we live in Nutley, New Jersey, okay. um, which is in Essex County, but my friends have all moved back to town. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them because of the school system, because of the athletic department. And it's just been, it's, it's nice to see that they take pride in it as well. So coach, we have a lot of basketball coaches, obviously that listen to our show. We do have some athletic directors and athletic administrators that listen to our show. You mentioned Dennis Nelson by name, so he's the best AD in the state. What makes him such a great athletic director for you as a coach? He's organized. He backs the coaches. We can get in when we need to, you know, when he says that this needs to be done, it's got to be done this way. We all go about doing that because he gives us leeway as coaches to do everything we need to get the kids better and prepare for the season. And uh, he just gives us tremendous backing in those areas and basically everything. So I appreciate that. You know, because we do have some – I don't want to say bad parent involvement, but as you know, Bri, everything does relate back to them. Chris, I'm sure you've dealt with it for years, you know, and that backing from a person at that statue is, does help. My sister told me one thing when I was getting into teaching, Ron. She told me, she said, I don't know anything about anything. She said, but as long as the principal is not getting any phone calls about you, you're okay. And I think it's the same as an athletic director, Brian. Absolutely. As long as you're not taking calls about this coach, then that's one, that's one big thing you don't have to worry about. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it, it certainly works both ways. And I appreciate your answer on that. It's, it's actually, it's really helpful for me. And I know it's helpful for our listeners to hear that about that backing and that support and an organization. But like I said, it, it works both ways to have uh, great coaches like you that are organized and energetic and enthusiastic and coach the game and teach the game and build relationships with kids. It just makes things work that much more smoothly. It doesn't make things perfect because there's always going to be challenges, but uh, it's really, I appreciate your answer with that. It's really great to hear. Yeah, no problem. And I, I know the job that you guys do, Brian, it's stressful, man. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, I, I was debating, you know, maybe going into it later in life. My dad saying, no, man, don't do it. You know, but it's something I'm definitely interested in, but I know you guys do a lot of work. So, you know, I, I'm sure all your coaches appreciate it. 
It's just definitely a little bit different than blowing a whistle every day, but anyway. <laughs> All right, Coach, we're going to have fun with the question here. Sure. Uh, as Brian, you could tell Coach Van Saders is definitely a, an animated guy. He's yeah. animated on the sidelines as well. <laughs> you could take us through either your first or your best technical foul story. I haven't gotten one yet, Chris. Are you serious? I haven't gotten the second one. Guy that this is I thought, they like, shit, they might like me, so I'm not going to say too much, you know? I haven't gotten one yet. I've been close, but haven't gotten one yet. Have you, no, had, an assistant, have you had an assistant get one? Yes. Tell us yes. that story. I love assistants yeah. getting technical. Uh, you know Adam, right? Yeah. Like, Adam, actually, I don't know if he actually got one. You know, I'm thinking back. Um... I think he did get one, but I'm not. I'm not sure who it was against or when. But you know, Brian, maybe my maybe I'm, maybe my coaching staff is just too well liked, man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I don't remember Chris, but I haven't gotten one, and I think he did, but I'm not sure. He might break my chops about that, but I I don't recall. Me, I don't. I never got one. No. <laughs> What are you guys doing on the sidelines? You haven't gotten. Yeah. I, I say that. Obviously, I hope obviously not enough. <laughs> so yeah, no, I never got one, man. I'm actually a little proud of that, but I'm sure Chris, it's going to happen sooner or later. You know that. <laughs> well, see, the the easy follow up question of that is if you've ever been thrown out of a game, but we can go ahead and skip that one too, because I know that's yeah. the case there. But... Actually, we've never been thrown out. My staff has never been thrown out. Um. We haven't had a kid ejected either, oh, which true. is, you know, which is a good thing. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Well, I, I want to go back to those, those middle school days. You say you're the head coach sure. for two years at a middle mm -hmm. school. How did that shape your, uh, your philosophies? What did you learn along the way that you maybe have brought with you now um, to, the, to the varsity level? Good question. Um, I had to do everything, mm -hmm. meaning the clocks, the officials, the um, – getting the gym broken down, starting preparing the gym. And, you know, you play with the girls with you. And I was a new teacher. I was 23, 24 years old, you know, doing a lot of that on my own. So, and then doing some scouting for the varsity coach, if he needed it, always ask, hey, coach, you know, if you need anything, let me know. I'll go to different places for you. You know, I thought that would be my job. I wanted it to be my job is to help out varsity in any way I could make sure we're running the same stuff they were up at the high school level I think that's vital and we do that with our program I make sure our eighth grade freshman JV are all running the same things and even in the summer Chris I don't know if you guys have that same philosophy but I know some schools don't do that and I'm kind of shocked they don't uh, it was something I was definitely instructed to do when I was at Creskill. And obviously, mm. Brian's, we, we've had Coach Agaro on here and some other coaches talked about the, you know, the Creskill program that they've had there forever. And, and very successful. So, and, yes. Mm. And that, there's, a reason, there's a reason for that. And one of those reasons is, right, those kids run everything from the middle school, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. So, when you know, I'll tell you what – taking over a program this year, it's, it's funny we're talking about that. The amount of time you must save in practice. <laughs> like when I had to put something in this year, it was brand new to everybody. So I had it bracketed for 20 minutes in practice, but it took an hour, you right. know. And for you guys, that 
at the beginning of the season when you're installing stuff, it's more of just a review, I guess, than something brand right. new. And what we try to do, Brian, I don't know, some of your other coaches probably do this, refer to this. So mm. our district's fairly affluent. So what we're able to do is in the summer, I take them down to Princeton and they stay in the dorm rooms. Parents pay, the food is, you know, they go to the dining hall. Everything's like college. And the parents are informed before we leave. They get a full itinerary and the parents love it. Kids check in with us. They go into their rooms. They have free time. They can go on Nassau Street in between games. We have two or three meetings while we're there. And they have to be at games. They have to be at meetings. It's just like college. We don't knock on their door. If they're late, they're wasting their parents' money. But the kids really like it. It's good team bonding. And we play teams from outside the area, which I really enjoy. See new things. We get six games for the weekend, two on Friday, three on Saturday, and uh, one on Sunday morning. It's one thing that we do in the summer that the kids really enjoy and has really helped our program. Hey, it's something that I know it's not unique just to basketball, but the, the, the camp, the individual camp experience and then the team camp experience. I just, it takes me back here and you talk about that. It takes me back as a player thinking about those times in the dorm. You're right. It's what a great bonding experience for player to player, but then player to coach. And we got just goofing on our coaches, them goofing yeah. on us. Like it's just, it's just uh, all the walls are taken down when you're at, at summer camp. It's just, it's a great, yes, it, great it's great. And the kids, the kids go to games and we bring the JV. So we're bringing 22 to 23, 24 kids, and the kids really like it. So that helps us, Chris, in the summer. That helps us. It's just one of the things we do in the summer, but it's, it's something that has really taken off over the last eight, nine years. That's awesome. I, I want to get to that with, uh, with my program. We're still working on some fundraising things and stuff like that, but I know Princeton has a good one. I know um, – at uh, Saddle River Day, they take the kids out to Albright College yeah. in Pennsylvania. I'd like to do one of those. It's not far away, but far enough that we get out of the area a little bit. Yeah, right. I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. So, coach. do we win? Go ahead, go ahead. Brian. What were you saying? No, go ahead, go ahead. Coach. Go ahead. Um, no, what I was going to say is, is that, yeah, so that middle school experience did that for me. And then moving on to Riverdale. You know, Brian Long, who was my coach, long time, great, great coach in Bergen County and the state of New Jersey and New York City. Um, still, you know, he helped me out tremendously. My dad, you know, being around, even though he wasn't a basketball coach, being around his philosophy, you know, being around professional baseball, high school baseball, college baseball, that was. And just dealing with attitudes, making sure that the kids are – have the proper attitude and make sure they're working each day. They're taken to coaching. His was more about philosophy, more than X's and O's. And then going with Brian Long is learning X's and O's and other basketball strategies. So it was an excellent mix. And then learning from Jay Mahoney, a longtime coach in Bergen County, I go to high school, was close with my dad, with me growing up. And then just taking things from other coaches in the county and in the state, college coaches, just trying to form that that niche that's trying to make my program go forward. That's that's great, Coach. Uh, you talked about your mentors. That's one of the questions we might might we're going to ask. But 
you know, you said uh, you had great mentors in Brian Long and your father who had been around. But, mm-hmm. And with all that that you've learned from all those guys, all very successful coaches, but how do you define success for your team each year? It's a good question, Chris. Because we have a lot of multi-sport athletes and the kids really are tough, they're strong, they're physical, they're coachable. Um, do they have do – we, do we have a, a whole program full of really good basketball players? No. Um, do we have kids that are great kids to coach? Yes. So success every year is to make the county tournament, is to make a run in the sectional county – in the sectional state tournament, excuse me. And, you know, to win the league is the number one goal. And we won it this past year, the first time since 2002 and only the fifth in school history. Um, So that was a real nice accomplishment. But we have set the standards to be, you know, make those goals every year. And, you know, we feel that success every year. Tell you what, coach, you're, you're like I said, I've referenced it a couple of times. Your your energy and your enthusiasm is it's it comes through loud and clear, and I love it. Do you have any kind of pregame speech that you just find yourself going back to over and over again, or one that just kind of keeps cropping up uh, right before the right before the game? I think it depends on the year and the type of team that I have. You know, I always relate back to certain things, and you know, making sure. Forget about scouting reports and things like that. Making sure our effort, our communication, playing as one is the same message each each game. Um, and making sure that the kids are out playing, not out playing, but out toughening the other team, if that's a word. You know, just making sure our kids just playing harder than the other group is a big thing. And then X's and O's and game and uh, strategy and scouting reports are mixed in in their minds right with that. But physically, physically, you know, we want them to be there every game. And I think that's big for our team. And they really take to that, which is nice. And Coach Rosefield, I will attest to that. Uh, when you play a Riverdale team, your kids are going to come out with bumps and bruises. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be in. They're going to be in you defensively. Uh, that's definitely a staple of Coach Van Sater's Riverdale teams. So, okay. yeah, Chris, I try to do that. So, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, All I, right. love, I love that. This is the old uh, remember the Titans attitude reflects leadership type deal. And I can tell, like I said, just a few minutes that I've known you here, Coach, that your kids play their tails off. So, I love yeah, it. <laughs> we try. <laughs> All right, Coach, now it's time for you to tell us about your greatest game. Give us as much background info as you want. Tell us about the game and why it is so special to you. And like you said, we can talk about more than one, but tell us why the game is special. Okay. Well, I won't go into it. My first one is obviously, like you, Chris, your first ever win, okay, which is years ago. Um, The best games we had, the best games I recall, there's a few of them. One was when we went to the sectional final. We had to beat Ramapo to get there, and we beat them in overtime. and before that game, we had to beat Demarest, and we were losing by we were losing by four with less than a minute to go, and wound up winning to get the round of pole. That same year, uh, we beat Pascal Kills. Kevin's teams were real good that year. We beat them less the last minute, and this year 
We beat Ramsey, Team Cobra, with 6'9", 6'7". We didn't have a kid above 6'2". So it was nice to get that one. But that run, that Ramapo game sticks out. And because of what it meant, Chris, we've had a bunch of other great ones. We've had a kid hit shot, shoot one in the Christmas tournament, throw a baseball shot or throw from the other side of the foul line directly in the basket to beat Marty Rivard uh, years ago. So there's a lot of them. The Ramapo game sticks out because it got us to the sectional final. But there's been a lot of great ones. Tell us a little bit more, and Brian, just Brian's getting up to snuff here on uh, Bergen County basketball. So, Brian, we've talked about the Catholic schools, right? Right. And then right below the Catholic schools, Teaneck is the mm. best public school program. The next best public school program in the county and in the area is Ramapo. Okay. You know, if you go on consistency basis. Mm. Tell us about that game. Was it up there at Ramapo? Obviously, it was one of Coach Sandberg's teams, which – are, again, great uh, yes. full-court defensive teams a lot. Yeah, of and I know Joe well, and it was, at our, it was at our place. We were actually the higher-seeded team. Every game that sectional went through us, including when we lost to TNAC. And I don't, I don't talk about that much. They blasted us from the start. <laughs> but, um, you know, the Rampo game was big because it was at our place on a Saturday afternoon. The gym was filled. They cut off the capacity. And – it was a game that we knew was going to be tough because of the way they played and what a great year we have had. And we were down 13 nothing to start Ooh. the game. And we were able to battle our way back and force overtime and win the game in overtime and move us to the section finals. So it, was, um, it, was a, it was a great game. So I'm, I'm always fascinated by this. Like, even when I was coaching, I would feel like I have a, a pulse on my kids and say, yeah, they're really ready to play. And then I was proven wrong or vice versa. Hey, we're not ready to play. And we'd go out and we'd shut somebody out in the first quarter. So down 13 to zero, did you have any clue that, that was coming before the game or that just 13 points just happened? It's like, uh, what just it, happened? Yeah, it happened pretty quick. We knew it would be hard. We didn't think we'd be down that early that much you know and then have to grind our way back for the next three and a half quarters basically four quarters i think we were down 15 made a little bit of a run so it might have been 15 7 at the end of the first quarter but i've been i've been less than that it might have been like 14 3 or whatever it was crazy and then we just grinded our way back but i remember that that start you know sticks in my head a little bit what did you say, Coach, down 13? Was there a timeout? Do you remember? Did you say something to your assistants? Like, what the heck are we doing? Yeah, we, we knew that we were having problems scoring a little bit. We had great senior leadership on the team. So when we called timeout, we brought them together. And we had real tough kids that year. And they basically talked it out on their own with us giving a little input. But, you know, Brian, something else that, you know, what my good teams have had is, their ability to coach themselves. Mm. And we stress that in practice, that if you can coach yourselves on the floor, how much easier that is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that takes mature kids to do that and some talent. But if you can coach yourselves and have some leadership, we talk about that in practice, you know, where it comes down to, hey, doesn't have to always come from me. Talk it through yourself, set us up in something and do it. 
Mm-hmm. So, so for those young coaches or even seasoned coaches that are listening to this right now, how do you, cause that, that's something that me as a coach, it's just like trying to find that, that pot of gold in the rainbow, like trying to find a group of kids that can coach themselves that leadership comes from within. So how do you develop that as a coach? And it's hard to do because, you know, what, right, to be honest with you, it doesn't happen every year. We try to make it happen every year. You know, you need a guy with the ball in their hands that's going to direct things, and you're going to need to be able to defend. So what we try to do is in the summer, you know, is try to let them try to play through some mistakes. You know what I mean? Even though the in the summer the rotation's bigger because you're trying to give everybody a chance, and even in the scrimmages, the rotation's bigger. Um, it still comes down to your top two or three guys in how they want to lead and then how the rest of the group comes in from behind them. And it does take some basketball IQ and ability. Um, but, you know, we try to coach themselves as much as they can. Well, one thing I do with that, uh, Coach, is in the preseason games and in the offseason games, well, I didn't really have much of an offseason my first year this year, but um, the preseason games – I make my point guard call a play every time down court rather than me calling a play for him. Now, there are going to be times when I do it during the season, but in the preseason, I tell him before the game, you have to call a play every time down court. I don't care if you call the same play every time. You have to get used to taking that leadership role. Right, and I think that's important. And, um, you know, obviously we need a secondary ball handler that's if they take away our lead guard or they take away something that we want to do. We have to have a counter to that. And that's, again, playing through some mistakes and making sure the kids know where to be. And, again, that's repetition. And, you know, we can go into that all day. But that's, you know, what I agree with you in that aspect of it. I tell you, it goes back to the point I made earlier, too, about between you and your AD with Dennis and you, that that, that trust level. But it's a, it's a special thing. You're right. Like, it doesn't happen every year. Uh, it's very rare that it, that it happens every year. Uh, but to be able to trust your kids enough to be able to take that. And, um, you know, I, even me, I, you know, I, I love that you mentioned you coached baseball before. I, I fell mm-hmm. into coaching cross country. And I've never been a runner. And those kids taught me more than I've ever learned about trusting each other, pushing each other enough. And, and it is almost like they were pulling me along. It was just, it was just things just click when it's, when it's coming from the coaches and from the kids. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And also my dad, as, as Chris knows, has a big baseball background, you know, from professional baseball to college baseball to high school baseball. And that's something, it's also good for me to coach the JV because the kids, some of the kids I don't have in basketball, and it's a little bit lighter sport in terms of a lighter side. There's a little less pressure and a little bit more development. Where you're, you know what I mean? And that's you're striving to get them to the varsity level. So it's a little different aspect, you know. You know, well, well, Brian comes from a baseball background. He shunned it, but his dad is his dad was a baseball guy. His dad was, I think, 1958. All ACC first baseman at the University of South Carolina. Oh wow! Oh, very nice. Yeah, he was How about very that? nice. Fifty-seven or fifty-eight, I think, Brian. Right? Yeah, somewhere, okay. somewhere around in there. Yep. And uh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Like, Gamecock well, baseball, still real strong, man. That's right. That's real right. Real strong. <laughs> so, like I said, Brian turned his back on baseball, but 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, now, 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 now he's filling out a lot of paperwork. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, 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 I gave up baseball to start filling out purchase orders. Is that exactly yeah, that's what right. I did? So. Yeah, you're doing equipment. You're doing equipment stuff now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, it came down to a choice between baseball and golf, and I tell you what, I just uh, I couldn't get away from the golf course at that point. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, but I don't blame you. Yeah. So. so. All right, Coach, we got one final question here that sometimes can be some fun. And, again, it can be more than one. But if I ask a kid who coached, who played for you in 2009, your first year, and a kid who played for you this year, what's the thing they would say that Coach Van Sater says over and over again? Again, it could be a, it could be a funny quip. It could be an instructional point. What is something that you, when your kids are sitting around when you're not there and they're like, oh, Coach always says blank, what is it? Uh. You know, Craig, that's a good one. Maybe get him out. <laughs> get him out? Get him out. Like, if he did something wrong, get him out. Uh. You know, replace him. <laughs> you know, um, actually, one of the kids who played for me on my first team is doing a great job as one of my assistants now. And, Brian, it's a big thing at Riverdale. We have a lot of kids that want to come back and help out. Mm. And I take pride in that. I, I meet kids out for a couple drinks when they're 21 and over. Mm-hmm. You know, to still be a part of their lives. If I can get them jobs, mm-hmm. you know, hook them up with some of my friends that have come. It's a big, it's a big source of pride at Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And them coming back to games mm-hmm. is big. And I take, you know, that's something that makes me happy is that we still have kids that come back. I'll tell you what, that that's something that I talk to my coaches a lot about. And that's really our vision at Ridgeview is to, create experience to where our kids will want to come back and you're and we're Ridgeview it's we have kids that just come back and come back and come back to games you name it it's it's right. really a lot of fun to see that and I think it's just you know I don't know it's just not a good thing or a bad thing but it's just it just makes it a whole lot more fun when you see those kids right. from the past that just keep coming back that, that's absolutely so yeah Chris that's what I would say or maybe me jumping up and down if somebody misses a layup you know so <laughs> um but yeah, I'm sure they got. I'm sure they got a bunch of them. I'm sure they imitate the voice constantly. That's a big thing. The voice is probably they do it at the dinners. I'm sure when they're home with their boys hanging out, that's something they say. Well, now it's funny you mentioned the dinners. If I if I remember correctly from following along with Varsity Aces and the Bergen Record, the Riverdale swim team dinner is apparently like the big thing, right? Don't they have some the Purple Speedo Award or something like that? Do you know anything about that? That I'm not sure of. I know each each program has their own run by the Booster Club at the end of the year. And, um, you know, it's a source of pride for the kids. It's nice to show them, you know, or give that, you know, give them some things that they've earned throughout the year. Um, but, uh, no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> you got to check it out. I think it's called the Purple Speedo Award. All right, I'll ask Chris Arman. He's my buddy. He's the coach. So I can ask him. Well, I'll tell you this, going back to that other question, a way to promote this this episode when we release it on social media, I, I tell you what, I think it's just a no-brainer to have fans and your, your former players do the best Ron Van Sater impression that they can while, it, it, hey, listen to it. This is us. You know, this, this I think we have, a lot, we have a lot of fun with that. Oh, Chris. yeah, I'm sure, figure out. I'm, sure, I'm sure you get a lot of deep voices on there, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for – for coming on and tell us about your greatest game and learning a lot about you. And I'll tell you what's it's been again, the energy, enthusiasm, your passion and your, your care for kids. It's, it comes through loud and loud and clear. So we appreciate you coming on today. 
Right. Thank you. And good luck with this, Chris. Thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks, All Joe. right. For my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games. Thank mm-hmm. you.